many of us this season are thinking especially at the time when Jesus um, became poor by giving everything, including his life. A few weeks back, I preached on the abundance that we enjoy in God's standard, the substance that, of his love that is with us uh, at all times and that is accessible to us abundantly um, in all situations, even when our money is not useful. My message today is on giving and tithing and uh, a difference between the two that you uh, may not have thought of, perhaps, as I will bring it. But before you flee from the building, (laughs) thinking that he's going to talk about the T word, I want to reassure you about a couple of things. First of all, I have no intention to force or coerce or shame any of us regards, in regards to tithing or giving today. You're free. This is um, what God has given us in Jesus is our freedom. You're free to believe and to do and to think. And so just uh, sit back and relax. Do you know, first of all, I want to tell you, do you know that the Seventh-day Adventist Church and our community is a tithing and a giving community? That means that, as, um, as Tim said this morning regarding our local church uh, offerings, we give of our resources, and that serves a number of very practical aspects of church life, from the lights and the warmth that we feel in this building to the upkeep of it, Uh, the Sabbath school quarterlies that we have, the materials that we use, the community services, the baskets that we give to the community um, at Christmas time and at Thanksgiving time, the help that we give to our members when they are in financial difficulties, um, the social fund. um, It funds some of the activities that we have here. We enjoy to have socials every so often. When we'll go downstairs in a few minutes to have lunch, we'll enjoy to be able to eat not just from one big pot uh, with our fingers, but each one with our own plate (laughs) and plastic fork, and and all these are covered by our giving. Um, We don't have adventures much this year, even though we have some, and they go to Green Bay, but these are programs that are funded because of our giving. We are a giving and a tithing organization. We support through our tithes and offerings um, the work of churches throughout Wisconsin. Uh, We support our teachers in uh, Seventh-day Adventist schools. Uh, We support um, uh, through also our giving to Wisconsin budget. We we contribute to the beautiful upkeep of Camp Wakanda. Many of us go there at least once a year for camp meeting. There's a church camp that's uh, taking place for many of our kids. Many of our kids do go. Uh, Some of our families go to family camp. They pay for uh, going there, uh, but it's subsidized. Uh, Why? Because our church from here, we give uh, for the upkeep of the camp. For Wisconsin Academy as well, uh, an institution that is available for um, uh, high schoolers to go there and study in a Christian environment. And uh, then beyond Wisconsin, 
We also support through our tithes and our offerings uh, all the institutions that uh, we are spiritually fed from that give us support, whether it's for Sabbath school support or whether it is for community services support, um, and that also not only we are spiritually fed from, but that bless the world. I'm thinking in particular, as Paul mentioned, uh, the um, disaster in Japan and others throughout the world. We support ADRA, um, the Adventist Disaster and Relief Agency that is there to help to get clean water to children in many countries of the world, as well as be there in, uh, in Chile and in Japan and wherever disasters strike. We're therefore um, we contribute and give to Ministry for the Blind around the world, for Adventist World Radio, um, for all of our television uh, networks, the Adventist Communication Networks. Um, I forgot that even here, we contribute to Levin, um, which is our local Fox Valley community here for community services. And uh, there's others that give, not monetarily, but uh, of their time to the Salvation Army, to the Red Cross. And so whether it's very local, whether it's at the Lake Union level, whether it's at the North American Division level in North America, I'm thinking of Andrews University. Part of our gifts and tithes go to the upkeep of that organization. I have benefited from going to the seminary. And many of our children uh, grow to go to our union colleges and our universities and are blessed by this. And um, we also subsidize interns, people that are starting in the ministry uh, through our giving and our tithes. So all of these are, whether it's very local or all the way to the world, um, we tithe to those organizations that support us and that uh, feed us spiritually and, that, uh, and also through them um, we are of benefit to the world through our giving. And I could do, and we could all do much more. And I invite you to think what it is that you would like to see us do, both in the local community, in the larger community. But um, our tithing and our giving are used for God's purposes. And so I wanted you to know first off that this community and our Seventh-day Adventist Church is a tithing and a giving um, community that seeks to enrich we do both to keep in the flow of giving and receiving, which is so central to life. It's only when we are dead that we don't receive and give, and even then perhaps we... But in life, uh, the flow of life involves receiving and giving, breathing in and breathing out. And, um, and it's so central to the position that God has given to humanity as a whole. When he created man and woman, he blessed man and woman and put them in charge, in dominion of the earth to steward the environment and to learn how to be better stewards of all of our resources that we have. So I want you to know, first off, how I believe it's centrally, biblically, um, something that uh, we are accurate and uh, um, we're, we're doing this as a community. I tithe also. I tithe because it feels good, because that's part of what God has put in us. See, sin has put selfishness in our hearts, but we've been told that there's one way that we can learn how to get out of selfishness. It's through not receiving only, but giving. 
And so I do this. It makes me feel good because that's what God wants for each one of us to feel as we tithe, as we return 10% of our income and as we give. Both are needed. Someone has said that tithing and giving are important practices of anyone who moves from indigency, having little or nothing, to affluence. And not just financially, but in every way. Because it's part of the cycle and the core of life that we have to receive and to give as well. In the Old Testament, we find many references to tithing. Many uh, clergy and theologians have seen that in the Old Testament, the people of God lived in a theocracy. And therefore, the government was led by religious people. And so, somehow, tithing was uh, a form of taxation in uh, the Old Testament, uh, Israel especially. I am reminded of uh, this beautiful biblical passage of Malachi, chapter 3, that you know well, in which tithing and giving are um, mentioned. Um, It's the Lord who speaks to his people. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he answers, in tithes, in your 10% of your income, and your offerings, in your giving. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Is it God that curses? God does not curse, but we curse ourselves when we put ourselves outside of a position where he will bless us fully. So he says, verse 10, bring all the tithes, not just a little bit, but all of your tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me, test me now with this, says the Lord of hosts. If, and that's the promise, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. It was a place in the Middle East where you needed to have rain to be able to have crops. And so that's a figurative language to say, I will open to you blessing, but it was very practical as rain in the Middle East. See if you do that, if I will not open the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. It has happened to me that I would delay paying my tithe, returning my tithe, and by mistake. But the money would be there, but I wouldn't return it to the church. And I would find that I would go to the, to the store, and I would pay um, $50 for just a couple of things. I had paid far too much. I would lose money. <laughs> When I noticed this, I would go to the church and use my key and put my tithe in the treasurer's box and be finished with it. And right away, I would notice that I would be able to stretch my dollar much further. See if I will not rebuke the devourer. Many a time we try to earn money, but when we're not faithful to God in returning what belongs to him and giving, then it's like pouring water into a bucket where there's a hole on the bottom. See if I will not rebuke the devourer for your sake. The devourer in the Middle East was the locust, or those that would eat the crops. But he'll do for us too in our culture. See if I will not rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And further, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So we are reminded that even though in the Old Testament it was, yes, um, somehow in a theocracy, a method of taxation, the tithing principle here and the giving principle 
are backed up by the Lord himself and with um, a curse that we bring on ourselves when we pull ourselves out of this flow of receiving and giving. We, we curse ourselves by we, we, with, we withdraw ourselves from a blessing. But on the other hand, as we listen to this and try to apply it in our lives, there's a blessing, actually not just one blessing, but many blessings that come through this. So, uh, Jesus also refers to tithing in two texts. In neither texts does he repudiate the practice, nor is he, or doesn't seem to be in particularly enthusiastic about it in the New Testament when he speaks about this. Actually, he speaks negatively of them that tithe, but not from the heart, just to be seen or for some other purpose, as something that has to do with taxes, uh, some something to to maximize outward benefits or as simply mandatory instead of something that has to do with God and with the heart. Tithing is not magic either. It's not alchemy of any kind. Today you see all kinds of books on tithe that suggest that returning 10% is the way that you'll automatically and suddenly become rich. You see books on tithe and how to get rich with a dollar sign on them. Now, financial miracles do happen every day. But we can never outgive God. And whether the return is financial or otherwise, I love good stewardship stories, but tithing is not magic that you will get and strike it rich because you simply return uh, your tithe. But tithing is a good way to learn and to learn how to live in that flow of receiving and giving. It's like a good trellis. Maybe uh, you're not thinking of the summer yet, but you know those places where we grow our plants. I have um, um, uh, plants on the trellis in my house. And uh, tithing helps us to grow, to move into a lifetime of giving and receiving in which we do this, and here's the word that I want to bring to you, consciously. It always goes back to this. Conscious giving as a choice. You'd like to receive more, give more, not selfishly, but to live more fully from the heart. There is complete freedom, but there is a consciousness with which we can give and receive. And that's something that we are encouraged to participate in and to enter in as we take the step of faith to, to, to start tithing, a faithful tithe and giving as well. Tithing is not an end in itself. It's always considered bad practice for a minister to speak about this from the pulpit, like you are requesting money from the people that are attending. But it should never be presented as something to run an organization or because there's a need. God does not need any of that. He says, I own everything. But tithing, not being an end in itself, is a helpful means towards the end of living totally in conscious awareness of God giving us through others and us returning back. It always comes back to consciousness and conscious living. There's so much that we don't know about. But as we do this act of putting our check or our banknotes in this envelope here, and we give in other ways as well, we're consciously giving. Anything that's not done 
out of consciousness, out of faith. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 14, anything that's not done out of faith from the heart, you may tithe, but it may be a sin to you if you're doing it for the wrong reasons. However, if you do it from faith, from consciousness, from the heart, then Jesus didn't say you cannot do this. He says that's good and that's beautiful. I have heard of a minister who gave without keeping tracks of the gifts for one year. That may be a little too much for you and for me. You can try this maybe for one week or for one month to give without keeping track. He exceeded his giving and blessing, and he also exceeded his receiving somehow. As he felt led to give, try for a month. See how it happens for you. The point that I'm making here is that it's important for us Many of us already are giving tithes. But it's important for us to start giving, honoring God by returning the first 10% of our tithe. But the point that I'm really making is try to break away whether you are already giving tithe or returning tithes or whether you are going to start from tomorrow morning. The point that I'm making, try to break away from what some have called decimal giving if you look at the tithes and the offerings envelope that we use in our church or in the pews here you will see that we we have percentages the 10 percent that is a given and then after this other suggested percentages both for the local church and for wisconsin budget and for the world church and so on and so forth but the point that i'm making to you and to me, is that we would try to break away from simply decimal or percentage giving, even though that's so important, because it will meet the needs of the mission that we are holding in our hearts. But to give from a position of abundance, from a position of truly giving, even when you return your tithe, it belongs to God. That's why we say we return our tithe. But that you would give it and not calculate how it can maximize your tax benefits or make you look good. It's from the heart that you will get the spiritual blessing that God wants you to have as you live. Receiving love and giving love. God loves a cheerful giver because he's a cheerful giver to you in the first place. We love him before, because he first loved us. We love Jesus because he made himself poor, that we may be rich. So the sermon title that I proposed to you, What's the Difference in Tithing and Giving, is not just the first 10% and then what comes after. is that tithing, as important as it is, is less than giving from the heart. Apart from decimal counting. A few months back, our general conference leaders have started to Coming to you, Judy. Our general conference leaders have started to encourage us to seek revival and reformation in the Adventist church worldwide, in our local churches. They have even set up a, a special website uh, with activities and resources. It's called uh, revivalandreformation.org, I believe. There's a little book, actually, that has been sponsored. And you will, over the next few weeks, see me or with uh, the elders of the church, because each one will have a copy of this book. It's a beautiful little book. It's a compilation from Ellen White on this important subject. And I would like to ask Judy, before I speak any further on this, to just tell us a few words about how this 
has been a ministry that she's been involved in, not just since Ted Wilson became our president, but even from before this, right, with Janet and Elder Page in California. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about this, if you would. How many have heard of 777 as relating to our date now? Okay, there are a few. Well, it represents the Seventh-day Adventist praying seven days a week at seven in the morning and seven at night for revival and reformation. And our president has asked us all to do that because it's a very important on his agenda for us to have true revival and reformation. And along with that comes evangelism and discipleship. Because when you really think about it, if we are really truly right with God and the Holy Spirit is truly working through us, we will get out there and evangelize in whatever way we can. And we will be helping our brothers and sisters next to us to do the same thing. I'm going to read a little something from Selective Messages, book one, about this. Ellen White has stated that it's very important for us to have this. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. Did you really hear that? True godliness is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. There must be an earnest effort to obtain the blessing of the Lord, not because God is not willing to bestow the blessing upon us, but because we are unprepared to receive it. We are unprepared to receive it. Our Heavenly Father is more willing to give his Holy Spirit to them that ask him than our earthly parents to give good gifts to their children. But it is our work of confession, humiliation, repentance, and earnest prayer to fulfill the conditions upon which God has promised to grant us his blessings. A revival needs to be expected only through the answer of prayer. And so we are going to just have a special effort, you might say, and we're hoping that as many as you can come next Friday night, a little bit before 7, because we would like to start a prayer service, a small one, but a prayer service for this Revival and Reformation at 7 o'clock next Friday night. Now, we would just love for you to just come and, and support and just kind of like telling God, here I am. I want to be counted too. That's, that's what our goal is. And so I pray that each one of us will be there. Thank you. Thank you. Here. Actually, we'll start at 6 o'clock. I've talked with Tony, who's preaching in New London. He's in charge because Bill Christen has gone to Las Vegas. But we'll have a message, a beautiful message on revival and reformation. And uh, as a video, since that's what we used to here on Friday evening at 6 o'clock. 
And then by 7.30, we'll be finished having had a good half hour of prayer. Many of us have families, and Friday evening, we don't like to go out as much. Sometimes we'd like to stay as families, and many of the singles have more of the freedom that the Apostle Paul tells us about to serve the Lord. And so they come on Friday or Saturday afternoon. But maybe for this one Friday, a Wisconsin conference with... Um, in mind also the financial um, difficulties of our world and all of the difficulties have designated the first Friday of every month. And so maybe this Friday you can join Judy and, and me and others in coming for one hour and a half or maybe just a half hour, but from 6 to 7.30 right here. What Judy read um, is something that Ellen White wrote in... Uh, in the Review and Herald, I believe in, in March, just this, about this month of 1887. And, um, and so we have our work cut out, and it's a way to do it. Why did I bring this now? Why did I bring this now in connection with giving and tithing? Because to me, see, we have those two words, revival and reformation. And many a time... Uh, it's thought of as well, we have revival in our hearts and then we have ref reformation on the outside. There's no, way, there's no doubt that reformation in our tithing, we need to, if you haven't done it, that's something that God has asked and that will bring us a special blessing. But if you recall, the main point I'm trying to bring to you in this message is that the decimal giving is not the one that will fulfill the purpose of these financial and other stewardship resources issues. The main thing is to be able to give from the place of our heart. You see? So it's not just reformation, it's the revival. It's not, so, and who revives us? The author of life is who? Who is the author of life? See, sometimes we strain as Adventist Christians. We want to just try to... We are dead in Christ. <laughs> and it's God who gives us this. So don't try to strain yourself to now, oh, I'm going to feel right as I give. No. But let God do this from the heart. That's the main point. And there's many applications, not just with finances, but in our time. Yes, God requires, has told us about the seventh day Sabbath. So we keep the Sabbath holy and we try to not... Uh, do the regular activities that we have the other six days. But does this mean that our Sabbath keeping ends one day a week? No. Beyond our Sabbath keeping, we want to experience that gospel rest seven days a week of resting in Christ. You see? God has told us there are certain foods that are not good for us at all. So we tithe by not taking the pig and the lobster and all the scavengers of the earth. But there's more than this. Many of the time as evidence, we forget the giving part of that. The giving part is, well, let's try, Samuel, to go to the Y a little more often. Have a little more exercise. You know? And eat a little less sugar or less variety at potluck when it's so good. <laughs> you know? So there's two parts. And the giving part is the important one that I'm trying to tell you. The tithing is basic and it's important. But... Give, because that's what will fulfill what you were created for as stewards and king, regent king of God on this planet to receive from the earth and to give as well in a flow from the heart. You see, away from decimal giving to conscious giving. 
entering a disciplined program of giving, like for example, following, trying to follow the percentages that we have on this on a monthly basis when you receive your paycheck. Entering a disciplined program of giving is a giant step of spiritual growth. I'm simply suggesting that you don't stop there, just counting. Dare to take the step beyond the tithing decimal practice. Dare to start giving. That's the difference that I wanted to bring to you. And I hope and trust that you find in this church and in this denomination here a place of spiritual nourishment as we prepare for the coming of Jesus while making this earth a better place. I've brought you some new and old ideas about an old subject. Once more, I haven't come this morning to just twist the course or change you in any way. It's God's work to do that. But I hope that this is helpful to you. To go out and be relaxed about your, your life in the abundance of God. Not trying to just, ah, but breathing and giving. This past week I was at, um, <clears throat> I was at the store and I never listened much to the news. Even though it's important, I know it is. And, and the news are not my preaching material. I know the Lord is coming, there's disasters, but really what I need to do is every day do what I need before the Lord and try to just grow in my relationship with all of my brothers and sisters in love. If I do that, I know that I'll be ready, right? But still, I couldn't help as an Adventist to, to be caught, to have my eyes caught by this Newsweek magazine cover. It says, Apocalypse Now, tsunamis, earthquakes, nuclear meltdowns, revolutions, Economy is on the brink. What the mm is next? You look at the world around us. And then you have all the tabloids. I even spent $2 of the Lord's money that he gives me to buy this to show you. <laughs> God's end times warnings. You know, Japan quakes, terrorist tsunamis, nuclear meltdowns. Well, as we look at all this, as we look at all this, I know that we can be disheartened. But I would like to close this time of sermon with just two minutes in which I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes in prayer. And take the time. I, th I hope it's okay in our sanctuary here to feel you breathing audibly and be relaxed. The problem is that we are so stressed out about Sabbath keeping, even on the Sabbath day, that we are so tense. We even come here with our neck tense and our you know, facial and I would like you to experience for a moment relaxation from God, relaxation from God's love and abundance, and be able to breathe in that. Prepare yourself for this. And I would like to consider, for you to consider um, that God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, moves through all people to manifest peace on earth and to bring peace to earth. It's not just some people, it's all people, all the citizens of the state of Wisconsin, regardless of age, gender, politics, financial status, work experience, personal history. The Spirit of God moves through all of us, all people in this country and in the world. God has put in each one of us a desire to end war and 
to bring his kingdom. Right where there appears to be conflicts is an opportunity for us to find that peace, to connect with it, invite you to open our minds to that idea that is not yet come for some of us or has not yet come for some groups of people, but that God wants to bring to consciousness to all people. The Spirit of God moves through all people to manifest peace on earth and to bring it. I invite you for a couple of moments to close your eyes and to feel in the center of yourself that peace that God wants to place there, that peace that passes all understanding. If you're not going to experience God's peace for a few seconds on the Sabbath day, in the sanctuary, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, where are you going to experience it? And as you experience it, I would like you to imagine how it blends with the peace that God is putting in the hearts of those sitting next to you. They also are recipients of God's spirit and of his peace and love and joy. And as it blends with those on the same pew, it also blends with those behind you and in front of you and fills this sanctuary with the presence of God. There are smiles on this faith, on this face, on each face here. And we want to receive this blessing, not just individually, but as a community of faith as we worship together. But then you can go beyond this church. There's other Adventist churches and there's other people throughout this world through which God's Spirit is wanting to bring peace in their own sphere. See this. I want you to sense this because if you don't have a vision of how this world can be better place, starting with me, we sing, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. If you don't have a vision of this, there's no way that you can work towards it. And then at Seventh-day Adventist, we know that whatever our efforts will be here, fully carried out, the perfection of it all will be brought when our blessed Seventh-day Adventist hope will be fulfilled. When Jesus comes with the trumpet sound, when he comes to put an end to all strife in our own hearts and minds with each other and with others, put an end to all death, and usher a world for eternity that is war-free, death-free, filled with love, with joy, and with peace. This is the treasure of the gospel that you and I have. God has given us all of this in creation and restores it to us in redemption in Jesus who spade it all. From this standpoint, enter the flow of receiving and giving and be blessed with a full life done from faith, from the heart, a life of receiving and giving for the blessing of others and for the glory of God. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever.